This is Flint, and you're listening to G.I. Joe Chronicles. The Lombok's Crusade presents G.I. Joe Chronicles. Don't they realize they're dealing with Destro? When I'm through Scott's bucket, they're going to scrape you off the walls with a squeak. Now stop buttering like a wet toaster and get busy! Welcome to G.I. Joe Chronicles. I'm one of your commanders, Pat Sampson, codenamed DJ Christatos. And joining me, as always, is my battle buddy in this operation, Jared Albrecht, codenamed Depro. I'm going to see how many do's I can fit into that. <laughs> and he's DJ Christatos. It's all the green shirts <laughs> tuned in for this podcast. Welcome back to Fort Longbox. We appreciate you tuning in and talk some G.I. Joe comics with us as we chronicle our way through. Uh, we're currently on G.I. Joe America's Elite. Now we're going to cover that on this episode. And then, of course, next episode, we will be back with coverage of G.I. Joe Special Missions by Marvel. But like I said, for this episode, it's G.I. Joe America's Elite series from 2005. Now, before I move on, I just want to give a big shout out and a thanks to the people who have been supporting the latest G.I. Joe Chronicles podcast the one that jim's doing called outpost i've noticed some really good metrics on that show over on youtube so thank you so much for supporting jim which is you know thereby supporting gi joe chronicles and the long box crusade in general thank you guys so much for uh welcoming jim to our family yeah definitely i like the kind of gaps that he's filling in for us here with the gi joe stuff and mm-hmm. yeah he did uh, an episode with his brother which i don't recommend but you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, when you get family together, it's just not a good thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of which, Pat, on this episode of yeah, Joe Chronicles, DJ Christos and I are going to rotate in a special ops guest for the show. For this episode, we have a returning special ops warrior, and it is my brother, Jason Albrecht, codename Weasel Skull. Welcome back to Fort Longbox, Jason. Can you smell? With the weasels cooking. I like how StreamYard <laughs> filtered out. Like StreamYard was actually pulling down the book. I'm making it work today. I'm making it work. <laughs> All right. Jason's been to Fort Longbox so many times. We've kind of asked him the whole gamut of prepared questions. So I, I just kind of going to pick his brain a little bit each time he comes back about a just maybe just a G.I. Joe memory. It could be anything. Maybe he remembers a certain episode of the cartoon or you know, a certain storyline in the comics you liked or something like that. That's what he's going to do in this episode. I do have a, a fun prepared question for when we come back with special missions. But for this episode, Jason, regale us. Right, well, we've podcasted with Jason before. Regale us in 30 seconds or less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put some specifications in that one. Oh, now <laughs> you're putting parameters on it? On a GI Joe memory that you could share with us and the listening audience. First one that popped into my mind is more of an unsolved mystery. There was a time when you, Jared, got I feel the like sky, I know where this is going. <laughs> the Sky Striker. Yes. <laughs> and the Sky Striker came with Ace, and Ace came with a removable helmet. More like an astronaut helmet than an aviator helmet, but it was mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. 
the Sky Striker back then had injection seats where you could toss the seat, you remove the seat with the pilot still in it, toss it way up in the air, the parachute opens, the pilot comes floating down to the ground. And we were out playing and just having a ball with this thing. And we threw the, uh, this is like the hundredth time, we threw him up there and he comes down and no helmet. We're like, well, what happened to the helmet? And I mean, there are FBI agents that looked for missing bodies with less thoroughness than w- what we cased that yard. I mean, we went up on the roof. We climbed the tree to look at every twig. We went over every inch of grass. We took the plane apart, put the plane back together to see if the helmet fell in there. And to this day, I do not know where that helmet went. It went into a third dimension or something. <laughs> and it has bothered me to this day. That's my G.I. Joe memory for the movie. <laughs> I was thinking of that when I cooked up the idea to ask you a memory. That was one that was on my mind. I was like, man, because I was recently on an episode of Outpost with Jim, the Joe junkie. And I mentioned that I, did, I didn't give him the full, I, I gave him the super abbreviated version. But yeah, Jason's right. Like most kids, you know, I have kids. They would probably look around for maybe five minutes. Jason and I were out there for literally hours. I hours. believe it. I believe it. Yeah. Like we only quit because the sun went down. <laughs> and, and our parents called us inside. Is that, we, had <laughs> we had flashlights. We had flashlights out there. I, how, where it is, we'll never know. We'll never know. Let me ask you something, Jason. With the Sky Striker that you received for Crusademus, did that one come with an ejector seat or, or parachute or anything like that? No, it didn't. It's a little bit different than the original one. A lot of similarities, but it did not come with an ejector seat. The original Sky Striker was two seats as well. So you mm-hmm. had Ace and then you had another seat where you could put a second Joe. This one is a single seater. Mm-hmm. And the pilot, Ace is different, different design in this one than he was in the okay. original. I like the design on this one a little bit better, to be honest. So, yeah. you know, all More in all, but still, yeah, so a few differences, but still a really cool jet. Okay. And Jared, you have the HasLab one, right? Um, No. Yes, oh. and, yes and no. I backed it, but I really wanted all the figures that came with it. So uh, I, I backed it, I got all the figures, and then I flipped the Sky Striker uh, itself on eBay. Okay, did this did that one? Do I don't know because I like okay. I touched nothing on it, which was side note funny story, which I might have told on Outpost as well. I put it on eBay and I started it like super reasonable, like forty nine ninety five opening bid, buy it now for a hundred bucks. And I was like, it said, you know, I've never I took the figures out. Mm-hmm. That's Here's it. A... I haven't touched anything else. And I got one of these super nervous eBay guys, right? Oh, what's the catch on this? Sends me a message. What's the catch? I'm like, no catch, man. You can pick this thing up for a hundred bucks. It's, it hasn't been touched. Uh, clearly, there's got to be something. You can't, nobody makes an offer this good. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and by the time I kind of like explained, I'm like, just you know, okay, dude, do what you want. But I, like, look at my feedback. I've been doing this for twenty something years. I have 100 percent positive feedback. I, I didn't live for the day. I'm going to screw you out of your hundred dollars for this yeah, thing, right? Yeah. But because he can't, he spent so much time going back and forth, somebody went and put the $49.99 bid on it, which makes the buy it now go away. Uh, <laughs> and he was like, oh, man, I missed my opportunity. I was like, yeah, well, screwed yourself there, homie. <laughs> but, yeah, that's my story. Anyway, uh, I know you were just asking about. Yeah, I was just. And I don't know. I okay. just pulled the figures out. and guess we'll uh, have to leave it to our local toy G.I. Joe collector, Jim the Joe Junkie, if you're mm-hmm. listening, Jim. Please make sure to send us a comment or let us know yeah. whether the HasLab one came with it. 
two seats, right? Or one. That's kind of the question. Or, no, or the no, parachute. I, the parachute. Yeah. The ejection. Yeah. I'm sure he can tell us. I'm sure he can. And you know what? You can tell us, Pat, is the intelligence report. All right. Well, for this mission, we will be covering G.I. Joe America's Elite number two. Publisher was Devil's Due. Cover date is August 2005. Writer is Joe Casey. Penciler goes to Stefano Caselli. Inker is Andrew Popoy. Colorist is Sundaraj. And letterer is Steve Seeley. Cover art goes to Stefano Casili and Sundaraj. And speaking about the cover, Death Probe, please take us through the cover description. Can do. Okay, Pat, this cover features five members of the G.I. Joe team in a simple group shot, with all of them looking somewhat furtive. I've used it before, Pat. I'm bringing it back. Furtive. I, I'm, yeah. They have Concerned? Gas. What'd you uh, say, Jason? They have gas. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah. Concerned yeah. about their gas. Let's go with that. It's Roadblock, Stalker, Shipwreck, Flint, and crouching in the front looking very menacing is Storm Shadow. And speaking of everyone's second favorite ninja, there's a cover blurb just above the Joe logo that puts forth the question, can Storm Shadow be trusted? They have that kind of a, uh, I just smell a fart kind it's of furtive. face to it. Uh, okay, that's furtive. Did <laughs> someone furtive? He's not in the... Yeah. <laughs> Who furted? That's all. <laughs> Who furted? All right, well, with the cover description out of the way, Jared, thank you. I can smell what you're cooking there. So what did you guys think of the cover? And we'll go to our guest, Captain Weasel Skull. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess I'm putting the captain down there. I, I don't know. He's a, I think he prefers Sergeant. I mean, that you was call, Sergeant. You can call okay. me Sergeant. Yeah, just Sergeant, Sergeant Weasel Skull. Okay. Yeah. Sergeant Weasel Skull. What did you think of the cover? Well, I'm glad you asked me, Pat, because continuing with these rock jokes, it doesn't matter what you think. Anyway. Uh, a lot of black dude's laughing. <laughs> oh man, I'm showing my old wrestling days. In full disclosure, I'm just looking at the cover now. I read it online, and I gotta say, it's a simple five person pose. They got five really cool Joes in there. I like how Roadblock. They base it all off of Roadblock because, duh, right? Like he's gonna be the he's gonna yeah. be the one that takes up the big center piece of the cover of course i'm gonna bump it up because it's got stalker on it storm shadow looks pretty bad a he looks like he's about to come at you off of the cover which i like i like that a lot uh shipwreck and flint which we'll get into in the story what's falling on hard times man he's looking a bit rough on this cover nothing in the background i like kind of the sandy brownish color in the background has a kind of military vibe to it and it kind of makes that the brightness of the G.I. Joe pop off the top. So it's kind of bare bones. It's lean, but it's got five really interesting Joes on the cover. And, and the poses look really good. I think I'll stop there. All right. Jared, what's your thoughts on the cover? I largely agree with Jason. I would say the only sort of downside is this kind of feels like a color forms cover. You know, like maybe these were def- different drawings kind of laid over one another but you know the upside is it's a truth in advertising cover because these are really the characters that are going to get some heavy focus in the storyline especially storm shadow he gets the blurb at the top he looks especially kind of very cool there on the on the lower part of the cover 
But yeah, overall, I think it's a good, serviceable cover. Not particularly memorable. It's it's well executed. And I always like the, you know, on this one, it's very little, but it's Roadblock's head just a little over the America's Elite logo to give it a little bit of three-dimensional pop. So mm-hmm. Yeah, that is definitely a nice touch that you picked that out. I kind of like that as well, too. You know, it's the just G.I. Joe and then America's Elite, that kind of simple tagline there that they have. I like this one because it kind of shows off their newer uniforms or their newer looks a little bit as well, too. You know, I like Shipwreck. You know, Shipwreck with that hat on, with that beanie hat on, it looks pretty cool. Yeah, his and longer design, hair. you know, is particularly good. And as we yeah. learned from having Blaylock on the show, because Blaylock, you know, wrote a lot of that original run, but he's also a bit of an artist as well. And yeah, he did a lot of these redesigns, and I think that was one of his better. Because, I mean, let's be honest, the Shipwreck of the 80s was a bit <laughs> laughable by the time we got to see that. It was very, very YMCA. What's that group? The... Uh, Village people. Yeah, they're very village yeah, people. people. They definitely toughened him up with that, that redesign. <laughs> definitely. But even with Roblox, you know, he's looking a little more kind of, you know, got that gadgety stuff going on. And then you got Stalker, too. He looks a little bit better than just the camo that he would normally wear. Still got the beret, but he's still cool looking. And Flint gotta have looking that beret. totally different. Yeah, Flint's looking totally different as well, too. Oh, he got two guys with berets, you know. Nobody had a raspberry one, but these were all issued. They were not purchased at a secondhand store. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's well done, too. And I think having nothing in the background just makes the five really stand out as well. So speaking about five, maybe we'll go to 10 with that. Let's go ahead and go into our ratings on this on a scale of one to 10 flag points. Let's go ahead and rate this cover. One meaning you didn't like it at all and 10 meaning it's perfect, and you should make this a recruiting poster for the Joe team, for America's Elite. You want to be elite like these five guys? Would you put this up? Maybe stick it in that big glass window that you have, you know, in front of the building to, to bring people in and recruit them? Is this for you? Jason, one to ten, how many flight points are you going to put down for this cover? It could be a recruiting poster, <laughs> the way that they're all in there. I may be a little heavy on this one. I'm going to give it an eight. You're coming out of the gate here. I, I get what Jared's saying. And when I look at it, you're right. It does kind of have a little bit of the color form effect. But for some reason, it just kind of works for me. And maybe it's just because I'm. this is my first show looking at these guys and, and seeing these new uniforms are kind of, I'm kind of excited about it. They look good. They look like they're about the business. And I really kind of like, the Sandy Brown background color to give it that military vibe and the GI Joe full color, red, white, and blue up there to, to make sure that it still has that fun element. So it just kind of, it kind of speaks to me. So eight from me. I will agree with you as well, too. I think this is a good eight cover. I can't go higher, but I can't go lower too. This is my middle ground. It's, it's memorable for me. Jared, are you at an eight? With two cool guys, make it three. <laughs> I would be a chump. Oh. Uh, I still like this one, but I like it to the tune of a seven. I do think Jason's right. I think the background color really helps it because I might be looking at six territory, but I think Sunder Raj has a real eye for color, especially in that time 
This is where all video uh, video games, unfortunately, went to like browns and, <laughs> and grays. Yeah, but, it's a little, you know, it's at this time you really associate the military with uh, action in the Middle East, which is where you get a lot of that sort of brown coloring from, and uh, it works here. So I won't be too bahumbugish, and I will give it a seven. Fair enough on that. With the cover out of the way, let's go ahead and go back to Death Probe for the story synopsis in our mission brief. All right, here we go. Cobra's still in the capsule! They're getting away to water moccasin! And with him are the evil new Cobra's Fireflies, Scrap Iron, and the Baroness. Duke and General Colton bring Storm Shadow down to a super-secret holding facility where they are keeping the thought-to-be-dead Baroness. Storm Shadow uses his ninja training and gleans plenty of information from the captive Cobra Fatal. I used Fatal in the right of them. It's pretty cool. Meanwhile, while dealing with another satellite crash in California, the rest of the Joe squad uses some logistics intel that they also got from Storm Shadow to track down some Cobra movements to Puerto Rico. But are they even tracking the right people? Is Cobra even behind this? Hawk certainly thinks they are. But there are so many questions that need answers, not the least of which is... Where's Destro and the Baroness's baby? Now, back to G.I. Joe. Okay, it's time to get into the highs and lows of this issue. We are now two, well, technically three issues into the Caselli run of America's Elite, because I'm factoring in the zero issue. And um, interesting times. The first person to get to go on this is the Weasel Skull. I think I'll start off with a high. I really like the tie back to the classic Marvel run. And I'm not just talking about the villain, which we'll, we can get into a little bit later. I'm also talking about the subtle things where one of the central themes on this we talked about on the cover is, can you trust Storm Shadow? Can Storm Shadow work with the Joes on the side of the angels? And that's been a tale as old as time. I like how they have roadblocks who has real history with Storm Shadow from the original G.I. Joe run. When Storm Shadow sliced him, he ended up basically beating Storm Shadow's A in mm-hmm. that issue, mm-hmm. like hardcore. And there's some bad blood there, you can you can tell. And I like how in the issue, Storm Shadow refers to Stalker as Lonzo. And that shows you that there's a deep personal history that goes back in the original run, it went back to Vietnam. They've served together. You know, in military culture, if you call somebody by their first name, that's like you're you're on very intimate terms with that person. Most everybody's like Albrick, Albrick, you know. Anybody that calls me Jason is like my brother or somebody close to me. So that spoke volumes, just that one little little panel. So there's just a lot, a lot of history that's laid out in this one issue. And for the listeners, after I read this issue, I went back and did a little digging through my personal collection. Like, I know who this villain is. And so this is really a mark of a good writer and a good series that is being very faithful to original content. And I appreciate that. Well said. Yes. Again, how many times we said this, Pat? Devil's do gets overlooked. Blah, blah, blah. shouldn't. I mean, there's a lot of respect and homage here. A lot of it. Pat, I know you have 67 things on your list to get to. So what's the first one? I liked what Jason said about 
you know, some of the homaging things that were going on, there was some stuff that I even forgot. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Of Storm Shadow slashing Roadblock. It didn't dawn on me until I'm like, oh, that was issue 24 of when the Cobra Commander was caught. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing about that issue is they forced Cobra Commander to help build that base. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, give him the wrench. <laughs> there he is with the wrench. And, and then he's, then he's trying to straw. And the, oh, man. We covered that one way, way back. That was a fun time. But that's one of those things. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. There's so much callback to a lot of things going on in this one. I didn't even catch it as a Joe veteran, I guess. I, I Maybe I should hand him my card. I, boy, really cool stuff that even, you know, that Jason caught there. I want to talk about what's going on with Hawk, you know? he. That's so, what I wanted to talk about, too. So, okay. Let's, let's have a good discussion on this one because, man, Duke's taking off to kind of help Hawk out or just kind of keep an eye on Hawk. And Hawk is just like, man, this issue, the issue before, he keeps saying he knows who it is. But the whole issue is all about, is it really Cobra? Is it somebody else? Well, we all know who it is as a reader, but the Joes don't know. And so they even find and get some more data. When they finally get to the end where they are, they're like, hey, I don't think this is Cobra. Even Flint's going, it's Cobra. We all know who it is because he's got a, you know, he's got a mat on because he wants to go and take out somebody who took out, you know, Lady J. And Hawk's all mad because he got shot. And now he's, that's all he thinks about is getting revenge on Cobra. So, yeah, if you remember, Pat, we had an issue in the last Devil's Do run leading up to this that was specifically dedicated to. Hawk basically mm-hmm. having to yeah. admit that he has an obsession with Cobra Commander, and that has not gone away, and it's not doing him any favors. No, it's, I was like, man, this guy is, I don't know if he's a little crazy now or what's going on, but he I did agree look with you. unhinged. Yes, very yeah. unhinged. Yeah. That. I've sure? been impressed that they carried that over. Like, this is clearly a theme that Blaylock wanted to carry over. Yeah. Like, And not only with him, but, you know, I may be taking somebody else's thing, but with Flint as well, too. They're just obsessed with what's happened to them. And I can imagine, yeah, they would be. You know, if I saw my wife get shot and all that, yeah, I would be obsessed with that, too. Or if I saw my life just kind of get disabled by Hawk getting shot, and now he's got to deal with, hey, I once was this proud guy, and I ran the show, and now I don't anymore. And let's not forget the beauty part, either. All right, so he's already obsessed with Cobra Commander. Right. And then in Hawk's mind, he's the reason he's in a wheelchair. Yeah. But we know that wasn't even Cobra Commander. That was Zartan mm-hmm. posing as Cobra Commander. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like, and that and that calls back to, you know, the Storm Shadow Snake Eyes thing. Uh, that was all Zartan a long time, too. You know, it's like, wow, this that is dude just is my of Everything terrible, isn't he? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe this villain is Zartan, too, and he's just playing him. <laughs> <laughs> They're all Zartan. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, I've, I've talked enough and brought up enough. So, Jared, what do, what do you got? Uh, really, I my big thing I wanted to talk about was the consistency thing that they're doing with Hawk. They're putting him on more of a raggedy edge. And unfortunately, I think it's almost backseated right now to Flint being on the very raggedy edge. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. Flint doesn't really need to be active right now. <laughs> you oh. know, he does not. I think the only reason Section he eight. is... I think the only reason he's active is because his friends, you know, like Duke and Hawk and Stalker are like, 
Yeah. Yeah, we might want to let him get some revenge. <laughs> I don't yeah. think anybody's concerned. Or, or we need somebody that's going to do a little bit more but, yeah. if we need them to do. I can't remember if it was at the very beginning of this run or at the very – I think it was the very end. It was the very end of the last run as they were, they were riding down the first big arc at 43, I think it was. They made it look like he was going to be unhinged, and he even kind of played the role, remember? And he got yeah, in Cobra headquarters, yeah. and he's like, hey, you guys thought I was here to yeah. you know, get my revenge. He's like, I'm just here with a homing beacon. <laughs> and all the Joes showed up, and that was, that was cool. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he's got a lot to deal with. But going back, like I said, I feel like a little sad that Flint was already an interesting character. And Hawk, to an extent, is an interesting character, but he gets backseated a lot because he's just, you know, he's the general who's, you know, and they've given him another layer. And this is something that they've done really well in Devil's Do is giving characters that didn't have a lot of layers, extra layers. And I always liked Hawk, don't get me wrong, but it's neat to see him go through some things Mm -hmm. and and develop. Again, I've said it on several shows, but to me, the best thing Devil's Do ever did was make Duke interesting. Like Duke, Always on my bad side because they're basically like, let's make him the field team leader. And I'm like, that's Stalker, who's a more interesting character, by the way. But they took that opportunity with, you know, I've gone through this before, but they yeah. took that opportunity with the seven years off to say, what was Duke doing in those seven years? It turns out he was doing really you cool know, badass things for the government, making him more interesting. He's got inside dirt on people and all this. So you have two kind of vanilla, no pun intended, since they are both white and born, uh, kind of vanilla leaders. Hawk and Duke getting more layers. Flint now is getting more layers. I always thought he was interesting already, but what made him interesting was his relationship with Lady J. And that's going to be continuing to make what makes him interesting in a much darker and sadder way. Hmm. Every time I see him, I keep thinking of that um, that lonesome little guitar song whenever Murtaugh's and Lethal Weapon, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, that's who he is now. You're right, Jason. He's, he's Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon. That's who he is. But anyway, let's pick. Jason, pick something cooler so we can start talking about cool stuff again into the second round. Oh, and it was Riggs, not Murtaugh. I screwed up. I always mix them up, so I was ready to believe you. So that's perfectly <laughs> fine. <laughs> second round, I think, well, let's just talk about the action. There's a lot of action in this book, and it's pretty kinetic. That's one of the things that I, I love about my G.I. Joe. Whenever you have just that crazy, out and out action and you get it in this one you got stalker out there busting caps you got flint flying the helicopter just laying out little mercenaries like kitchen tile with that chin gun on the helicopter you got roadblock kicking down solid metal doors and just clearing (laughs) rooms with a 50 caliber machine gun you got we talked about flint just killing that dude with the knife to the throat just watching him die for like three panels i mean it is some crazy fun action in this book which i think helps it because it is a dark story we're into thousands tens of thousands probably by now dead between the attack in chicago and the one now in california and this is this is dark times for our joes and yet they still make room to just have some fun balls out action which i really like you know that brings up a good point and i think Reading this, when I was reading this and reading it again now as an adult, I can get into it. But I think what really helps it is that I know these characters from the comic books in the Marvel run. And they just built off of them a little bit more where they were, you know, I was younger at the time. 
middle-aged kid, then high school, reading it all up to 155 when it ended and going it through there. And then it came out again and things got a little bit more heavier, but I could relate to it now with an adult, you know, mind and a heart. I can relate to the stories and I like that. I've grown up with it, you know, and that's where I think these writers, the artists, they grew up with it too. So I think they, you know, there, there's some heart in these stories, even though it's a little dark, more adulty, I guess, but well done with how yeah, they pulled it together. It's kind of like the James Bond universe a little bit, you know, it's, it's been around so long. Yeah. But the characters keep evolving and the stories evolve with the times, like a James Bond movie plot. So, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. It we have grown up with them and, and God help us, we're growing old with them now. <laughs> That's true. That is definitely true. And Jer brings up a good point with how interesting Duke is at the end. W- what is he doing? Where Where is he? Is he going after? Does he know where this guy is now? Or is he going after something different? I don't know. But he's got super secret clearance that yeah. he can do anything. Yeah, he is well off the grid right now. Like the Joes think he's on leave somewhere. And they're like, what? He's taking leave in the middle of all this? And, and our boys just parachute shooting free fall into parts unknown. And that's a heck of a cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I love that. I love the Duke's interesting. I love what you were saying about. I mean, we were just kind of born at the perfect age where we are. We were. I hate to use this term yeah. on the show. We are maturing at the same time. As G.I. Joe is maturing. Yeah. And at some point, you know, we could talk, we could get all philosophical because, you know, G.I. Joe hasn't resonated with the younger generation like it did with us. And that might almost be a bad thing that, like, it, we've been the target audience the entire time. And I kind of left yeah, the kids behind a little bit. But, you know, that's a different topic for a, a different show. Uh, coming back to this, my, I'm going to give it a high in this, in my final round here for... It's just kind of Jason mentioned it at the top. I think we were talking about the cover, just that classic Storm Shadows. He's here. He seems to be being very helpful. He got him the logistics intel. He did that very ninja stuff with the Baroness. Like I'm watching her pupil dilation. I can tell what her pulse is like. Like he's a human mm-hmm. lie detector. Like, no, yeah. he knows what's up, you know, which could be tough because you can imagine like serving with him. He knows when you're lying, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he knows about your browser history. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I, they're using him to great effect right now, which is great. You know, what a bull, like I said, kind of jokingly in the cover description, your second favorite ninja. But in some instances like this, he can be your first favorite ninja because he's so mysterious, like he's being helpful. But and you almost feel bad for the guy because most of the time when he switches up, it's because of the brain stuff that yeah, Cobra did to him. You know, and sometimes, like we saw, sometimes he he's the kind of guy that will and has in this Devil's Due run been like, you know what? I'm going to go chill for a while. <laughs> y'all, y'all work this out. I got to go get myself straight. You know, so he's just an interesting character. So it's neat to see him in the lineup. It's so easy to rely on Snake Eyes. I mean, the G.I. Joe comic of Marvel age kind of ended with a whole reliance on Snake Eyes. I mean, mm-hmm. it was called like Snake Eyes and the Adventures of G.I. Joe or something like that. So they're not really using Snake Eyes a ton here. They're giving a lot more limelight to Storm Shadow, who can be equally interesting. So I'm excited about that. That reminds me of another tie back that I saw in this issue where during that gunfight, they get ambushed by about three or four mercenaries in that hallway. 
and the rest of the Joes take cover. And Storm Shadow is able to just move. No bullets hit him and takes them all out. And that ties back to that issue. I forget what issue it was, but when they were revealing the history between Stalker, Storm Shadow, and Snake Eyes in the original run, when, when Snake Eyes got hit and Storm Shadow ran out to get him, and Stalker's like, I don't know how, but no bullets touched him. Like... It was like 26, I think. Yeah, something like that. So that, yeah, this conversation made me realize, yeah, there's yet another tie-in that just hit me. Yeah, because he's like, oh, these guys are easy. He's like, there's no problem here. He's like walking down Matrix style. You can just see like bullets. And he's just like, weaving through all the bullets just like that. I was thinking like Remo Williams. Remember when they used to dodge the bullets? (laughs) Still a shame that that movie... Series has one film <laughs> and there's like over 200 novels. <laughs> Come on, man. Anyway, welcome to Remo Cast episode one. I'm your host, Jared Albrick. Anyway, anybody got any um anything left? Any highs or lows they need to get off their chest as we move on? I want to do one more high. And it, again, it's for the writing on this. The story that's being told is just how nobody knows what's going on. Well, people people know what's going on. We, the reader, know what's going on. But the Joes don't know who they're going after. Even Cobra, we saw in the other ones, like, who's doing this? We're not doing this. So who's doing this? And they're all getting kind of confused. And, you know, you got Hawk, who's crazy, thinking it's one person. And you got Flint, who's, you know, kind of believing what Hawk says. And it's just a good story going on here. I think that they're leaving their time back into clues and things. And that I suspect if I'm right, this is even better writing that it's a red herring, that there's more to it than what yeah. we're, we're seeing. And that's keeping me engaged. Cause it, I wouldn't be quite as interested if it was like, Oh, I know who the guy is. And I just hope the Joe's catch it. I think there's more, somebody's feeding this guy. Yeah. And they're mm. now that they've made the connection to Destro. And is that where the trail ultimately leads or is there more to it? And that's what's interesting me because they follow this trail. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, then I'm just going to hand it back to Pat. He's going to give us the IG's report and the combat readiness of this issue. And for those of you who don't speak military, that means we're going to score this issue story on the same one to 10 flight points scale we used earlier. With that, Jason, one to 10 on the story. I'm going to match my cover rating and give the story an eight as well. It may very well deserve higher, but it definitely deserves to be in elite category coming out of the gate. I've read a grand total. Well, that's not true. I did read issue zero, as it turned out. I have read the entire story arc up to this point, and it's grabbed me out of the gate, and it is really good writing. So eight for me. Jerk. I'm still just as intrigued as I was when we hit issue zero and one. And like you said, Pat, it's, it's a fun storytelling technique for us to know what's going on because <laughs> it makes you want to go, oh, no, you're looking at yeah. it wrong, you know, but yeah, they'll they'll put it together eventually. It's kind of half the fun. It's like watching um something like Silence of the Lambs. You know, you know who's doing it and all that. Which is, it's fun to watch. The oh, comes, yeah. Jodie Foster and Scott Glenn figure it out. You know, <laughs> that's that's the fun part. So uh, long way of saying I'm going to give it a nine. I'm really into it. I like Jason on the eight plus one, basically plus a half for what they're doing with Storm Shadow and plus another half for that really cool 
cliffhanger ending. Like, what is Duke up to? Because he does yeah. really cool stuff now, and they've made me interested in Duke. That bumps it to a nine. I'm agreeing with you. I'm at a nine, too. So two cool guys hanging out at a nine and one chump at an eight. But, you know, that's, that's a good eight. It's a good it's eight. It's a respectable eight. It's a respectable yeah. eight. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I got to give I gotta give myself a little room to explain. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we've got some investment in this one, Jared, and I do. Definitely. So it is definitely making me interested. I want to read the next issue to see what's happening. I've been wanting to read the next issue from zero of what was happening. So definitely got some time invested in these characters and it's seen some dividend here. And now that we have the scoring out of the way, it's time to give out some awards for this issue. Let's go ahead and give out either a silver star medal or a silver snake for either gallantry or sneaky snakitude in action or just in sneaky snakiness. This is where each of us can award a character in the issue who went above and beyond the call of duty or went below and under duty. <laughs> I said duty. <laughs> Jason, who do you give a civil star or silver snake to? I suspect that there's somebody I need to give a sneaky snake to, but he's so sneaky, I don't know who to give the snake to. So I'm going to give a silver star with an asterisk to Storm Shadow. Man, oh man, these generals are sure trusting Storm Shadow with the keys to the kingdom. He knows the deepest, darkest secrets that even the Joes don't know. But he's been able to make use of that knowledge to provide the Joes with the first clues that they've been able to act upon in the story to get them out in the field investigating. And he acquitted himself pretty well in combat and was a true asset to the team. So here's hoping that that silver star remains a star and doesn't morph into a snake. Jared, who are you giving your award to? This is a tough one on this one, I think. It is. All right. I will give my silver award to whoever is on my mind at the end of the book. And uh, this time it's Duke with the cliffhanger. So silver star for Duke. Probably would have gone Storm Shadow, but Jason got down already. So, yeah, we're going, we're going to go with Duke. Pat, give us an O Duke. Oh, Duke. <laughs> there you go. That's what I needed to hear. Yeah, I can see where you're going with that. And I can see Jason's Storm Shadow as well, too. I, I would have chose Storm Shadow. I think he really showed up and did what he needed to do here. But I'm going to give a silver snake to the somewhat evil guy that it is because he's got people just kind of chasing their tails right now, going around and around in some circles. They may be on the trail, but I think he knew they were going to be there too, right? Because I'm, I'm assuming they're in where they are and it's going to get blown, you know, somehow he's going to blow up that facility that Storm Shadow and Stalker and those guys are in right now because he knew that they were possibly going to be there. You want me to give my theory? Sure. I think it is Cobra that's behind this. I think Cobra got this guy that had this take over the world, destroy the world, survival of the fittest mantra, going back to the original G.I. Joe run, stole some Mars technology from Destro, gave it to this guy, knowing that the Joes would track it to him and is trying to throw 
the Joes onto his main rival, Destro. That's my theory. I could mm. be wrong, but I no, want to make it here so the audience can hear it. So if I'm right, I can gloat about it. If I'm wrong, I'll eat some crow. Good theory. As with everything else we do on the show, I don't remember. <laughs> so the only thing working against that is, man, Cobra was in some mad disarray at the end of that. The Red Shadows had torn them up. Remember that? Yeah. Matt? So yeah. I don't know if they're yeah. ready for something that big, but who knows? Who knows? We'll see if there's a big comeback. Could be anybody. It could even be our buddy, Serpentor. We've got it all coming, you know, because he's got that mind of a multiple generals and all these kind of smart people. So you never know. You know, but when he puts his pants on one leg at a time, he comes up with great battle plans. Yeah, remember, too, that we haven't heard a whole lot from General Ray. Exactly, too. That, too. I was just thinking about that. I'm like, where? what's going on with him? Where is he? Mm-hmm. All right. Now that our medals are handed out, it is time to go back to Jarrett for his segment of Death Probe's Toy Chest. It's here, the G.I. Joe collection. Each sold separately. G.I. Joe from Hasbro. Thank you, Pat. Here on Death Probe's Toy Chest, I take someone or something that's featured in this issue and give you a brief toy history on it. For this issue, I've selected, and we talked about him in the cover a bit, Shipwreck. Cobra's really tough, you know. And Cobra's up to something like a G.I. Joe. Cobra! Cobra blew up the bridge. Bridge layer to the G.I. rescue. G.I. Joe! Yosh, Michael, we'll catch you! Introducing the new Joe's Barbecue and Shipwreck. We're gonna stop Cobra this time. G.I. Joe! Joe! G.I. Joe Bridge Layer comes with driver. Or Striker comes with driver. Other figures and equipment sold separately from Hasbro. Shipwreck is a sailor, and his actual name is Hector X. Delgado. He's from Chula Vista, California. He had a light blue button-up shirt, darker blue pants, a white sailor's cap, black gloves, and boots. Shipwreck came with a silver percussion pistol, silver boarding hooks with a 3 8 inch line, which was a black string that connected them, and a handle. He also had a green and yellow parrot named Polly. He was first released in 1985 as part of Series 4. And according to my notes here in the script, he was discontinued in 19,878. So he's he going to be around ago. for decades. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that meant he was discontinued in 1987. Currently, there are 19 versions of three and three quarter inch shipwreck. So he's a fairly popular character. This is where we do the around the room. Did you have that toy? We will start with Pat. Why, yes, Jared, I did have the toy, and I'm holding him in my hand right now. If you ever watch like a live show or see it, you'll see him sitting up on my shelf. Shipwreck, you know, yeah, no, that's my, that's Dr. Mindbender talking, but Shipwreck is a cool guy that I had as a kid, still got him. I, I don't know where Polly is anymore or his stuff. If but... I were you, I would check your cracker tent. Mm. <laughs> How do I do it? Jason, uh, I know the answer to this, but let's see if you do. <laughs> Shipwreck. Every time you ask me this question, I think I had the action figure. Then you inform me that, no, you actually had the action figure. <laughs> so one of us had the action figure. And I suspect you're still stealing my figures 40 years on here. So, yeah, well, I do have the, <laughs> the shipwreck that we had as kids. I can add this. I know we got him actually sort of past his expiration date because 
I remember getting him in Germany secondhand. Like I think I traded for him or something like that. I don't think we ever had him new. And uh, I think I got him around 88 or 89 as a swap in Germany. I don't, before you ask Pat, I don't think I stole him out of anybody's shed. I know the question, the question was not uh, okay, mine. Okay. <laughs> but Jason's right. We did have him a little later than when he came out. Probably about the time Jason was actually sort of fading away from Joe, you know, he was in the high school getting the chicks. Yeah. Hey, baby, you want to see my shipwreck? <laughs> <laughs> that didn't uh, work. <laughs> now, but I'm leaving it in. So back to you. <laughs> to you, Pat. All right. Well, now that we've talked about Death Pearl's toy chest, so let's go ahead and get into combat comms. As always, we want to start off combat comms with our roster of our battle-hardened Crusader Club veterans. These are the fine folks that have joined our Crusaders Club. They enjoy early access to special long box video episodes, free raffle giveaways, voting on show programming, and so much more. These other folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. Helica Wolf. Oh. Auburn Elvis. Bill Bear. Blasted or Stash It. Braxton Underwood. Clinton Robinson. Captain Entropy. Clark Westfield. Dave Collins. Battle Wagon. Ezra Gallo. Gary V. Gene Hendricks. Gerald Green. Heinz K. Jason Keene, who I thought was going to be originally on this, mm. but turned out mm. we got the wrong Jason. Or did we? <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe it was Jason Lady. Jeremy L. Jim. German, Jim, German, Jim, German, Jim, German. I hope you like Jim German, too. Our very own battle buddy, Jim Meal. And Joe Thomas. John Watson. Josh Strickland. Candace Ward. Kathy Bright, the MVP. Matt and Lissy Paso. Mark Ross. Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Spidey67. Jared, hand me those spreadsheets. Spreadsheet. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Tony Pennington. And now, with swivel arm and battle grip, <laughs> Toronto Cuff. If we missed anybody on our list, we do apologize. Please keep in mind that we recorded these episodes well, well, well in advance of release. So if you are a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But until then, don't worry about it. Relax, fella. Take a load off. You know, man, as Orster would say, just chill, man. It's going to be all right. Everything's going to be cool, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, I haven't made an appearance on this episode yet, man. Yeah, my, my, my brother's not in here, so I don't know what to do anymore. So you're talking about the Crusaders Club, man. I love it. It's like a little too capitalistic for my taste, but I, I give the you guys... You gotta put food on the table, man. I you give put the guys food. two pounds of mushrooms every month, man. What, what are we talking about? <laughs> Salad? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to the show. All right, yeah, here we go. You can just go ahead and contact us at 
contact that Longbox Crusade to let us know that we missed you. And don't worry about it. We'll get it all straightened out, man. We got Orsted. He'll take care of it. He'll straighten it out. Lickety split, man. Just lickety split. He'll get it all taken care of. Licky, licky the mushrooms, man. <laughs> right? You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> so you might be asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? How can I get into this awesome club that you guys got? Well, let me tell you, it's so simple. You just head on over to Patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade. You can join us for as little as $1 a month. Can you believe it? It's just one dollar. You or can't get two into pounds it. of mushrooms. <laughs> uh, two pounds of mushrooms, yeah. If you are gonna let it, let us know if you're gonna send us that. But we'll take a dollar a month just to get you by until then. And you can get all this access to amazing world of the Crusaders Club, where there's a lot of going on right now. I mean, Jared and Delvin just recorded a special video for the Crusaders Club where they covered the Fantastic Four movie and club members got to see that way 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 ahead so make sure you come and check us out now let's see what messages from our platoon of loyal listeners we have waiting for us on breakers comsat communications officer code name breaker these are from episode 44 and 45 which we covered america's elite 25 cent zero issue and a real american hero number 50 where we covered the, I don't know if that was like issue zero of special missions or, or what, but it had that little special add-on in issue 50 of special missions. I'm just going to pick here. I see uh, Scotty Cameron said, I like how America's elite brings Vance Wingfield and Strike First into modern era Joe comics. I like that too, Scotty. Also, the 9-11 imagery in the comic. It reminds me of Marvel's Civil War. Mm-hmm. Good point. Thank you, Scotty. Uh, we also got one from our old friend, one of our favorite top two favorite professors, Professor Allen. Simply mm-hmm. said, did someone say 25 cents? Because, <laughs> you know, he's got that quarter bin. Five yeah, he's definitely. And he's on that quarter. He's anytime. I think if, even if you flip a quarter, there's a 50-50 chance he may show up. Just depends on what side it comes up of, but... <laughs> I'm going to take one from Hoover, Jeremiah. <laughs> it was for you. <laughs> uh, oh, it is for me. It is too. I just. <laughs> and Hoover says, after hearing Pat say Serpentor, which is the way you say it, for the 200th time, my brain said, wasn't there a yearbook pinup of Serpentor without a shirt and just in pants? Yes, there was. And he's a sir and he wears pants. Nothing in between. That and that's why he served Pantor. And there was. Mine better must have thrown in some of his own DNA in there to bring those shirtless proclivities to proclivities. life. Oh, I was I was good at good word. I, I I pronounced that all right. And he gives a little picture of that from there as well, too. And <laughs> I love how he scratched out the actual Serpentor from the actual picture. Oh, he did he too. Changed it to Serpentor. <laughs> Uh, who are you? you can't. It was too small for me to notice at first, but now I see that is funny. <laughs> oh, I guess it's my turn again now. I'm gonna go with Josh Richardson, who says that's an exciting story. I agree. I liked it to a tune of an eight. The <laughs> other lads liked it to a tune of a nine. That makes for an exciting story. Yes, indeed. And we've got Scotty Cameron. And again, we love Scotty because he comments in lots of different areas, which always helps out with our algorithm. So thanks for that, Scotty. Chiming in and also say, yeah, Jared is right. 
I love a comment that starts that way. I am a bit on the younger side for G.I. Joe fans. My origin story for the G.I. Joe fandom is an interesting one. You know, that makes me want to get Scotty on the show, Pat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a cliffhanger. That's like Duke jumping out of an airplane. <laughs> it's a clever maneuver there, Scotty. <laughs> definitely. We definitely got to have Scotty on or anybody else that wants to be on. Just go ahead and send us an email. Reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter and say, hey, I want to be on G.I. Joe. And maybe just be a little patient with us because we do prioritize the Crusaders Club members who want to be on first. It's one of the perks. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean we won't have you. I'm not trying to bilk you for money, Scotty. Longbox Crusade at Uh, (laughs) Patreon.com. Dollar a month. But just so you know, let us know. Well, if you get like $5, we'll prioritize the dollar one. I'm not trying to take your money, Scotty, or anybody else. But (laughs) Pat's right. Let us know if you want to be on the show. Just keep in mind that we do prioritize those club members. So it could be a few episodes down the road, but we won't forget about you. Definitely. And I'll take the last one from Nathaniel Beasley. And he says, I love the final panel of the satellites falling. Really feels like this is a threat moving to the next level. Great start to one of my favorite comic book runs. And you know what? I've heard a lot of people as we were kind of going back and forth on what we were going to do once we finished off the first Devil Do series. A lot of people were chiming in about, you know, are you guys going to cover, you know, America's Elite? And a lot of love for the America's Elite story. And and it is a little darker. So, yeah, things are getting heavy. And if you want to leave a comment or you can also leave us a voicemail. We love to hear those as well, too. You can leave us a voicemail at 707-532-5269. That number again is 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. This is G.I. Joe Chronicles. Pick up the walkie-talkie. Pick up the phone, maggot. Pick up my comp set. Whoa. (laughs) Comp what? (laughs) Oh, comp set. He brought back comp set. set. (laughs) Touch my digits. (laughs) Spicy. All right. Okay, Jerry, your turn. Yeah, I got lost there for a second. And that will bring us to Mission Complete status for this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles. If you'd like to hear more from us in the realm of comic books, action films, vintage TV, movie serials, so much more, check out the Long Box Crusade Network. DJ Cristados, where can they find that? Well, Jared, I'm not going to bore you with listing out everything. So it's just going to be pretty much all the podcatchers out there. Just go ahead and look up Long Box Crusade and you will find us. If you can't find us, let us know. Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or go to www.longboxcrusade.com. You can get the feed there as well. We're also on Twitter, X, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, all at Longbox Crusade. Back to you, Jared. And if you'd like to chat with us personally online, we can be found at... Back to you, Pat. Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at... Christatos01. Jerry, right back at you. Ah, I am at Yard Sale Artist on the X, the Facebook, and the Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my artwares at www.theyardsaleartist.com. And the G.I. Joe drawings continue. I don't know how many I have now, but I just added Snow Job to the listing. So uh, if you need a Snow Job print, in fact, I still have the Snow Job original. So if you feel like you need that, reach out to me. 
Mm-hmm. He's drawn on a page from a U.S. Army platoon. And I was going to say, this man. isn't you drawing the, the snow job in the snowstorm. <laughs> <laughs> With no goggles on. <laughs> Jason no. paid for that once, and he's only paying for that. <laughs> <laughs> Got me once, man. Speaking of Jason, where can we find Jason on the internet? Uh, you can find me at Jason Albrick on threads and on Instagram. Thanks for joining us for this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles. We will see you on the battlefield next episode where we will go back to G.I. Joe Special Missions from Marvel. We're going to hit issue number two, Words of Honor. Until then, Platoon, Fallout. Yo, Yo Joe. Joe. The music themes for this show are done by musical genius Joe November. Please check out his SoundCloud at Josephlin99. That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-99. You will not regret it.